This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. The first reading comes from Psalm 86. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am devoted to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all day long. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my cry of supplication. In the day of my trouble, I call on you, for you will answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and bow down before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love towards me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, the insolent rise up against me. A band of ruffians seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give me your strength to your servant, Save the child of your serving girl. Show me a sign of favour, so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame. Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. My name is Diane Green. The second Bible reading is found in John 14, verses 1 to 7. And in this pa these passages, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he says these words to offer comfort to them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwellings. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, 
Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it forth in our lives. For the glory of your great name. Amen. Please do be seated. Um, we'll be looking, we had, we had the first seven verses of uh, John chapter 14 read, but uh, we looked at the first five verses, four verses of that last week. We'll be looking in particular at the last three, verses five to seven this morning. And we find in the middle of that, in verse six, that Jesus says these words. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we, I don't know how you respond to that. Could Jesus have really been as exclusive and as narrow as that? See, this seems to cut against the grain of everything we tell ourselves about the human journey of self-discovery and meaning these days. We believe in the freedom to find our own paths to God or ultimate meaning or whatever it is we're supposed to be finding. We want our religious beliefs, or as we put it these days, our spirituality, to be a matter of personal choice, not something handed down to us from a tradition or by an institution. After all, that's the role our market economy casts us in. We are individual agents of choice, finding personal significance, meaning and identity through the consumer choices we freely make, whether that be for Coke or Pepsi or kombucha. We are told we are the absolute masters of our own meaning, free to mould ourselves into whatever shape we want. Only, this quest for freedom, fight to find our own way, has meant that we are, as a society, profoundly lost. To be told to find your own meaning is like being invited to, to journey to a destination without a name on a map with no roads. It's no accident that the art and literature and music of the last 50 years is filled with feelings of alienation, disappointment and lostness. Talking Head's 1980s gospel-styled classic, uh, for example, We're on the Road to... We're on the Road to Nowhere. Or U2's, uh, likewise, a gospel theme. Interesting, they used sort of spiritual sounds in it and their song was, I still haven't found what I'm looking for or the screams of pain emanating from Kurt Cobain, whose band was ironically named Nirvana and who took his own life with a shotgun in 1994. I'm sorry, those pop culture references certainly date me. It's not that we haven't found what we're looking for. It's that we don't know what we're looking for in the first place. Now, we can't say that the disciples who ate with Jesus in the upper room were first century versions of 21st century spiritual seekers. But they too were confronted with the feeling of lostness and dread. They had become followers of Jesus on the way, but now their great guide was about to be killed. He had just told him, told them 
that he was going to be killed the next day. And they weren't at all sure, they weren't confident that he had given them sufficient directions about the way ahead. In verses 2 to 4 of chapter 14, we looked at last week, Jesus told them that he was going to his father's house to prepare a place for them and that he would return to bring them there. So he says in verse 4, look, I've told you. I've explained it all to you, haven't I? You know the place to where I'm going. Now it's always useful to have a doubting Thomas in the room. Uh, He's a fantastic guy in the Gospels. He's very literal and he's always asked the question that everybody else really wants to ask but is too afraid to ask. You know that kind of person? Really useful to have along for the ride and Thomas is like that. And this time he asks, Lord, come on, get real. We don't know where you're going. How can you know the way? Jesus, you talk in metaphors and riddles and symbols. Where you're going, we can't walk. So where is it, this place, your father's house? We're only flesh and blood after all. How can we know the father? And that's where Jesus gives his striking answer. And the bottom line is this. What is the way to the father? Jesus is the way. If you want to know God, You can know him in Jesus. In fact, you can only know him in Jesus. Now, Jesus says three things to Thomas here. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, no one comes to the Father but through me. And know me, know my Father. Now, we'll look at each in turn. Well, first of all, I am the way from verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I'm sorry, I grew up going to church in Sunday school and there's a song that we used to sing that's burnt this onto my brain, which I'm now going to sing. Does anyone know this one? I am the way, the truth and the life. That's what Jesus said. I just had to get that out. Otherwise, it would be in my head all the whole time. And what does Jesus mean by saying this? He's, he's more than a guide or a trailblazer. He does not just give directions to the Father or model to us how to get to God. He doesn't give us tips or a technique. He is the channel through which we must go if we want to know the source of all truth and life. He is the place we must, to go, we must go, the place to which we must come. Now, the way and the truth and the life are not three different things, but all part of the same package. We might say, Jesus is the way who leads to the truth and life, which belongs only, this truth and life, to the creator of all things. There in Jesus, we find the exclusive portal to the source of all power and wisdom. He is the way to God because he is the truth of God and the life of God in the flesh. In John's Gospel, we also hear Jesus described as the word of God and the true light that gives light to everyone. Jesus will also speak of himself as the gate and as the vine. He is not simply a teacher about the way, he is the truth of God and the life of God in the flesh. The Father is present in him. The great medieval writer Thomas Akempis, in his best-selling classic, The Imitation of Christ, put it this way, and actually this was picked up in that um, daggy song we used to sing. He said, without the way, Jesus says, without the way there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, 
There is no living. Jesus says, I am the way which you must follow, the truth that you must believe, and the life for which you must hope. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And when you think about it, this statement just unpacks the first. He is the way, and there is no other way. The Father's truth and life are not found anywhere else. No other path leads you to the Father, only this one. Now, there's no getting around what Jesus is saying here. There is only one path to the Father. There is no other way. We cannot pursue another path and hope to find the truth and the life unless we come to Jesus. And other, relig other religions don't lead us there either. This is, uh, there is only one way, and that is Jesus. But, you may say, aren't all religions basically forms of belief in the same higher power? Does it really matter what you believe as long as you are sincere in your believing it? Aren't there good people to be found, whatever the beliefs? Well, I have a lot of sympathy for where this thought is coming from. I don't want to appear arrogant or belligerent. I want to acknowledge that in human terms there are good people who belong to all faiths. Too many people have died in the course of religion down the centuries. And I deeply respect people I know who have different religious beliefs to my own. Some of them I even call my friends. To say that Jesus is the only way sounds like an imperial and oppressive truth claim. A claim that might bolster the power of the church as an institution. A claim that might be used as a battering ram, the weapon in the hands of those who don't want to do good. There's a number of things to say here. And I'm going to number them A, B and C, just because I've already talked about 1 and 2. So A, B and C. The first thing to say in response is A, the idea that all religions are the path to the same God overlooks what the religions say about themselves. The religions of the world say deeply contradictory and mutually exclusive things about God or the gods and about how he or she or it or they can be known. Just to cite one example, Islam and Judaism flatly deny that Jesus is God. They would deny what Jesus has said here. Not just disagree, but directly deny. Whereas Christianity says that you can't know God without Jesus. B, when we say that all religions are the same, we are reducing them to systems of morality. When people say, usually it's a secular point of view that says all religions are the same because they're saying basically what you believe doesn't matter, it's what you do that counts. And so basically God is bracketed out of religion. We can see that there are decent people in all religions and in none. I often hear it put this way. People will come to me and say, look, Uncle John, he didn't believe in God, but he was the most Christian person I know. And you can see the assumption here that it's all about ethics or morality. And who cares what you think about God? Now, for Christianity, that misses the whole point. Christianity is not a system of ethics. It's not a moral framework. It's not about being a good person, but about being a forgiven person. It's about knowing God himself, not just knowing what is good to do. 
So that's A and B. Now C, the third thing in response to this claim, is to say that all, to say that all religions are basically paths to the one God is, if you think about it, itself a claim to know things that others can't see. It's actually a pretty dogmatic, sweeping truth claim about the nature of reality. And I would ask a person saying this, how do you know? What's your basis for saying this? Just because you would like it to be true doesn't mean that it is true. Now, our anxieties about conflict and violence are real. But we needn't change the truth in order to have peace with people. It's possible, in fact, it's imperative, especially for Christians, to respect people's dignity and wisdom and to love them even when we disagree with them, even when we disagree profoundly with them, instead of pretending that we all believe the same thing. In fact, that's something I would love Christians to model in this deeply divided world. The ability to be friends with people and yet say, I, I disagree with you about something profound here, yet I still can love, we can still love one another, we can still have a relationship. That's a massive opportunity for Christians in this current world. But we need to be clear as Jesus is clear. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. The way. But it would be wrong to see the way as a kind of imperial claim over and against others, or to bolster a kind of church power as something lacking in humility, a kind of tribal claim. Because if we understand what Jesus is saying here, it's actually a statement that should humble us. It's a statement about grace. It's not a statement saying, I'm we are superior to those who disagree. It's a statement about grace. Jesus reassures his disciples that he's going to prepare a place for them. Remember that from last week. He's going to prepare a place for them. And what is he going to do in order to prepare a place for them? He's going to die for them. He will return to bring them home after he has made them holy. He has prepared a place for them in the Father's house by dying for sin so that they will be ready. They will not find the way. The way will come to them, will find them. In fact, the, the Christian movement, before it was called Christianity, was called the way. And it wasn't called the way because it was five steps or 12, 12 rules for life or 12 more rules for life or something like that. It was called the way because the people who gathered around Jesus said that there they met the way. The way had found them. No one comes to the Father but by Jesus. He's simply the fact of the matter. Since no one has the relationship that Jesus has with the Father and since no one else dies for sin. There are many religious teachers and there are many spiritual gurus in our world. From Muhammad to L. Ron Hubbard. But by their own testimony, it's interesting to study what they say about themselves, not one of them is as close to God as Jesus is. And none of them die for sins. But although it's an exclusive claim about the way to God, it's also an inclusive invitation to all people to know him. It's open to people of every tribe and language and status and tongue and identity. 
And that leads to the third thing that Jesus says. He says he's the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father but by me. And then lastly, he says, if you know me, you will know my Father also. Jesus makes God known. He reveals God. Human beings on their own might guess at God's existence, might have intimations, inklings that God is there. But on our own, we cannot figure God out. We cannot discover him by gazing within, looking into our navels, or by journeying to the stars. We cannot calculate him. We cannot produce him in a test tube or come up with some mathematical formula. But Jesus, who is the truth of God and the life of God, reveals him to us. John puts it this way in the first chapter of his book. No one has ever seen God, he says. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. You can't see God. But Jesus, who has unparalleled access to God, unique access to God, has made him known. We can't find him, but in Jesus, God finds us. Jesus and his Father are so close, so deeply united, that we can really say that what we see in Jesus is true of God. If we want to know the heart of the universe, we need only come to Jesus. In Jesus, God the Father comes to us, meeting us as one of us, speaking our language, as it were. And in him, we encounter not just a part of God or a hint about God or a God-like person or a semi-God. We meet in him God, the source of your life, the fount of all meaning, your purpose and direction. In him, we are lost no longer because we are truly found. Jesus' disciples, you can imagine them looking across the table at their friend. They'd seen the sweat on his brow. They'd seen the stubble on his chin. Heard him snore at night. And yet, when they looked at him, they saw the Father in heaven with their own eyes. So if you've been looking for the path to life and truth, look no further. Put down the terrible burden of having to make it on your own, having to come up with your own meaning, find your own path. Trust instead in him and follow him. And in him, not only will your search be over, but you will find more than you were looking for. Wisdom, hope, life. Make him your Lord and Master. And you'll find in him not an oppressively difficult moral code, but free grace and forgiveness. It's one of the great mistakes we make in our time, is we want a path, but we don't want a Lord. We want a technique, or some tips, or some rules, some guidance, but we don't want a Lord. In Jesus, we get a Lord, but a Lord whose quality is always to show us mercy. We get in him free grace and forgiveness. Someone who makes us, prepares us for life together with his Father. 
If you'd like to take that further today, this week, then I'd be delighted to talk to you about this. I'd be delighted to talk to you, perhaps over coffee, or if you'd like to email me uh, in some way, uh, let me know that you, you'd really like to take this further. You'd like to understand more what I've been talking about. You'd like to perhaps take the step of having Jesus as the way and discovering in him the truth and the life. I'd love to help you start on your journey along this way. I'd love you to know the experience that's captured in the words of the hymn writer who sang, I looked to Jesus and I found in him my star, my sun. And in that light of life I'll walk till travelling days are done. But for those of us who've already come to Jesus the way, these verses are a reminder that there's no point dabbling with the alternatives. Jesus is the real thing and there are no substitutes. He's got the blue tick. We grow tired and distracted and our hearts long for novelty. No mind does. And so we seek other sources of truth and life. We try to make ultimate meaning from our work, from our passions, from our loves, from our causes. What we have in Jesus trumps all of those, surpasses all of those, is more authentic and solid than all of those. He is the real thing. So our quest should be to know him more deeply, to know him more intimately, not to know more things, but to know this one true thing really well. We need to sit with his disciples at his feet and listen to his words, to ingest his words, let them become part of us. We need to remember what he has done, as we do each week here, but especially when we have the Lord's Supper. We need to look for his return, as he promised to return and bring us home to the Father. If he is our way, then in him we know truth itself. If he is our way, then in him we have life itself. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.